Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. My guest on today's podcast is Mark Story, my fellow columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. We're going to talk about Kentucky's uh, athletics weekend, which was not a great weekend. The UK football team lost to Florida 34-10 on Saturday, and the basketball team lost to Richmond 76-64 on Sunday. We are recording this on Sunday night. Uh, Mark did let me know that there was some good news for UK athletics. We'll talk about that um, as well. Uh, so let's not waste any more time. Let's just get right to it with my conversation with Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my uh, friend and colleague and fellow Herald Leader, Kentucky.com sports columnist Mark Story. How you doing on this Sunday evening, Mark? I'm doing great, John. Uh, Kentucky, sort of a lost weekend athletics-wise, although you pointed out to me before we got started, it wasn't a total loss. We'll get to that a little later. Uh, but as on the football and basketball fronts, not a good weekend for the Cats uh, if you're going to go by one loss. Uh, we'll we'll dive into both of those, and we'll look ahead uh, at Kansas on Tuesday for the basketball team. Uh, but let's start off with the Saturday game with the football, the 34-10 to loss to Florida. Uh, what, what were your, not a surprise, obviously, uh, Florida was a big favorite, but, uh, how did you think overall Kentucky play? What are your, what are your thoughts on Kentucky's loss down in uh, the swamp? Well, you know, it was interesting. I thought like the Alabama game, you know, Kentucky came out and moved the ball and, you know, I thought, you know, played fairly well offensively the first half problem again being that they controlled the you know the the time of possession and you know kept Florida off the field but didn't take advantage full advantage of their opportunities and I think they were in the red zone three times and wound up with 10 points and you know to have a chance in that game if you're in the red zone three times you need 21 points right and you know I, I'm for the second straight week they also after halftime you know, whether it, the other team makes adjustments and Kentucky doesn't adjust or whether the other team makes adjustments and Kentucky's range of what it can do offensively is so narrow that once there's an adjustment made, they're pretty much up the creek. Whatever the, the, the explanation is, you know, the offense went AWOL again in the second half. And you know, I did think the defense, I didn't think the defense ever quit. I thought they played hard till the end. Yeah. And, you know, I guess if nothing else, it what the score wasn't nearly as embarrassing as the week before. Yeah. That's not much, that's not much to hang your hat on, but <laughs> no, but it is something. Yeah. No, they've been outscored. I think 55 to nothing in the last, uh, I think I saw that stat some way over the last two games. Of course, they played two really good teams, the team, the teams that are going to play in the SEC championship game. Uh, before we get to the talk, uh, before we get to our weekly examination of the offense, uh, what about special teams? Uh, they gave up a fake punt on Florida's first drive. They kept the drive alive. Florida went down and scored. And then the play at the end of the first half when basically, you know, said they did a whole half of good work was wiped out by uh, Florida's 50-yard uh, – uh, Tony's 50-yard punt return for a touchdown that made it 14-10. to 10. Uh Afterwards, Stoops, Mark Stoops said that Max Duffy shanked the punt. The punt went right when their coverage was to go to the left. But it looked to me like Florida had some sort of play set up because they had two guys, you know, two returners on opposite ends of the field. One fake like he was going to make a fair catch. Kentucky seemed drawn to him uh, where Tony was on the other side. He caught the ball and went for a touchdown. What did, what did you think happened on that play? Well, I mean, what most of what I knew about it, 
Mark was from Mark Stoops halftime interview with the UK radio. And he said that the, the, they were kicking dead left and Duffy often, you know, when he's doing that rugby kick, you know, kick sort of kicks it back across the field. And he said, Duffy just mishit it. And the, the thing I wondered about was, you know, Max had obviously been out two weeks, presumably in COVID-19 protocol. And Mike, you know, had he been working out? I mean, had he been kicking? I mean, right. did you know you running back out there and you know you, you're out of your routine? And I just wondered if that impacted it. You know, a lot of teams have gone to you know using those two two uh, two returners, I think, to try to negate you know some of Duffy's ability to place the kick and then just let it roll. Right. But yeah, that was just a crushing play, and you know the special teams. You know, the, you know, they were bad at Alabama in terms of all the problems they had on the field goal. You know, you go back to the Ole Miss game and, you know, two misplaced kicks, you know, cost them the game. And, you know, it may just be a PR problem, but, you know, this is the second time in the Stoops era where they've not had a, a, a coach with the title of special teams, you know, coordinator. And both years, the special teams have really hurt them. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I agree. Mark gets defensive about that. Yesterday, uh, last yesterday at the press conference after the game, he said, you know, we've got the same guy talking to the, you know, kickers and punters and the holders that we have for the last five years. And I know they, I know they divide up, you know, uh, some of the special teams' responsibilities, but they did have Dean Hood was designated as we've talked about before as the as the special teams guy. Dean left to uh, go to be the head coach at Murray. It seems like more than a coincidence that now the special teams have taken a hit this year. But that's an important part of the game, as everybody knows, and and uh, especially when you're playing in SEC games. And, uh, yeah, the last couple of weeks, not that that would have made a huge difference in the Alabama game, but it certainly didn't help uh, when they botched the two field goals. And then yesterday, as you mentioned, that was just a crushing play at the end of the first half. So we'll see if Mark – designate somebody next year to be a special teams coach but uh who, no matter how who no matter who's really in charge or how they're really doing it he's got to take a long look at that i think after uh, during the uh, off season yeah i think at kentucky especially you know in these league games the margin of error is just so small right. and you you know i think to win at kentucky you need to be really good in special teams right. or at least not let them beat you and you know the special teams arguably beat them yesterday yeah didn't help uh okay back to the offense uh <laughs> we've much discussed among the fan base and much discussed on this podcast uh you hit on it again in your column. What what about the what about the offense? When your mark you've, when your mark stoops and this season is finally over, thankfully is finally over, and you can sit down and examine what you're doing. What what are you going to look at, and what what changes are you going to look at possibly making? I mean, I don't think he's going to get rid of Eddie Grant. I know the fans want him to do that, but I just can't see that happening. So, what changes can you make uh, under the framework that you have now? Well, I. I think you have to look at everything and I agree with you and I don't even, and I understand that the fans, you know, just want to, you know, they, they want a clean house. And, but, you know, if you look at Kentucky's record since Eddie Grant and Darren Henshaw came here versus what it was before they got here, you know, it, it's, it, it's a pretty, it, they've done fairly well in that regard, but the issue becomes kind of a PR situation and it just gets negative 
that it, it makes it hard, you know, makes it harder to recruit. And, you know, they lost a wide receiver commitment last week. They've lost two wide receiver commitments over the last two recruiting classes. The kid in Louisville, Jordan Watkins, who flipped and went to UofL, and then Armin Scott in Ohio, who from the scuttlebutt I hear, it sounds like he may end up at Cincinnati. And, you know, the, they sort of hung their hat on those four wide receiver commits in the current class. And now, now it's three. And they, they you know, those guys are – are well regarded from what I can tell from the recruiting geeks and they really need to hold on to them because they, they, I mean, they're just desperate. Not that we haven't discussed this before on this podcast, but they are just desperate for dynamic playmaking. Right. I mean, they just have so, they just have so few, nobody can make plays. So you have to execute perfectly and, you know, execute all these, you know, long time consuming drives. And that's just hard to do. I mean, you need somebody that can just, you know, make a play and get it in the end zone. Right. And, uh, you know, and they were able, even without the, even without much of a passing game last year, they still had, were able to make big plays, uh, those uh, chunk yardage plays, because Lynn Bowden was, was really good at that. <laughs> he was a great athlete who could do that. And I think that opened up for some other guys to make big plays. And even in 2018, with the, you know, they, they were able to make some big plays on offense. And obviously, Lynn was playing wide receiver then, uh, but they got some big plays out of the run game. But uh, without a passing game, this year they haven't been able you know they haven't been able to do that the other thing that uh, bothered me about uh, yesterday offensively is they could not convert short yardage situations I think they were one for eight on third down and three or fewer yards to go than three and a lot of those plays it just seemed like they were running it up the middle now I'm not a I I don't like uh, second guess play calling because I think you know, we don't know what all goes into the game plan. We don't know. Sometimes they're trying to – they run a play trying to set up another play. But if you can't get – of course, you know, I think a lot of that, and I wrote this, 2018 you had Benny Snell. Last year you had Lynn Bowden. This year they didn't have Chris Rodriguez yesterday, and that has to be taken into an account. But uh, you go one for eight on short yardage. You do a good job in getting yourself in a, you know, makeable third down and you can't make it. That's not a recipe for success. No, it's not. And I think that is right. They were one of eight on third and three or less. And, you know, and the thing with Florida, people get upset with running up the middle, but Florida is fast. So a lot of times you want to run it right at them and not try to not try to run wide. You you know, it's fascinating. Kentucky has a really good offensive line and a really good run blocking offensive line. And you would think that would lead to converting you know, those, those short yardage situations. But part of me wonders if because they teams have no fear of their passing game at all, that, you know, that they just jam it up in there and you're blocking, you know, you're blocking nine guys. Right. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, the play, you know, right before the disastrous, you know, punt, they had third and one, I think, and didn't convert it with A.J. Rose. And not that it was A.J.'s fault, but I thought back to the game, you know, last year in Lexington where they had a fourth and one. And I think they actually missed a blocking assignment on that. And the linebacker met, met AJ in the hole and they didn't convert it. And that was the play that turned that game. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of weird that, you know, two of those games turned on the exact kind of same scenario. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge play. uh, If there is such a thing in a 34, 10 loss, but you, uh, yeah, you make the first down there. You can, Florida had used it to call three successive timeouts. They were out of timeouts. You get the first down there, you run out the clock. You go into the, you go in at halftime up 10, seven. So instead you have to punt 
they take the punt back for a touchdown and you go to halftime with your heads hanging down 14 to 10. So I do agree with you. I thought the defense played, I thought the defense played hard. I haven't questioned the effort of the defense uh, at all. I thought they played hard. I thought Josh Pascal gave it everything he had. Uh, I thought overall the defense played good. good. I think Mark's going to have to figure out what to do with Kelvin Joseph. He's obviously a really good talent. He's got four interceptions on the year, but he he's a very undisciplined player, and that hurt him a couple of times yesterday. Could have hurt him another time. Mark went after him on the sidelines, which I didn't see exactly what Kelvin did. Uh, I don't know if he was taunting or what he was doing. I think was that was after UK had gotten that turnover if I remember right but the other time uh when it didn't they get a turnover but they had to go back 15 yards because Kelvin got called for a personal foul if I remember correctly I think that is correct yes so I mean he's got he's got some work to do with <laughs> Kelvin he's obviously a really good player and I know people say well you should bench him but yeah, I think he's probably one of the best defensive backs he has uh but he uh I think Kelvin needs to, you know, he's got a maturity issue there that uh, I know, and I'm not telling Mark anything he already knows that he that he doesn't already know. But uh, but no, I thought overall the defense played uh, played played hard and played well. Okay, we got South Carolina coming in here on Saturday. Uh, what about the South Carolina game? It's the last regular season game. Who knows what's going to happen with the Bulls? I mean, I, it would not surprise me the way things are now. These bowls are not going to be able to have many fans in the stands if we don't see more bowls canceled before uh, this is all said and done. Uh, what about the South Carolina game? Well, I think you know South Carolina is two and seven. They fired their coach. They're playing with an interim coach. Several of their better players, once they fired Will Muschamp, opted out. You know, I think this game basically is you know which team is still sort of checked in mentally and emotionally and you know plays like you know it has something at stake. And I think it's a game Kentucky should win, but I don't think it's any kind of lock. I mean, South Carolina, you know, they have some good you know, good offensive playmakers. Their running back is really good. Yeah, Harris, and, you know, that, Harris, yeah, I really that, like him. Yeah, and, and you know, power. You know, Kentucky's run defense hasn't been you know stellar. Uh, over the course of this season. So, you know, they're going to have to play. They can't just show up. But I think it's a really important game to win just to leave people with a little better taste in their mouth. Yeah, I think four and six is not great, but to me it sounds better than three and seven. So Yeah, and the other thing about that is it's, you know, it's not what I thought Kentucky would have a better year. I thought Kentucky would have a better team. But four SEC wins, you know, a whole lot of years, Kentucky right. would have you know, given a left arm for four SEC wins. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And maybe even more than that. Uh, okay, plus it's a 7.30 game we found out today, so it's probably going to be a little cold there at Kroger Field on Saturday night. The temperatures are going to take a dip this week, so uh, I don't know how that will factor into it as well. Okay, enough football. Let's move on to basketball. Uh, earlier today, Kentucky, uh, in their second game of the season, lost to Richmond, 76-64. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the uh, loss, the first loss of the season for the Cats today? I was not surprised. Um, I thought it, this was going to be a really hard game for Kentucky. I think Richmond is good. You know, I think Blue Ribbon Yearbook had them ranked 22nd in the country. They're picked to win the Atlantic 10. You know, a veteran team with crafty guards. You know, early in the year especially is always going to be a problem for Kentucky because Kentucky so often, you know, has a brand new team. And this year it literally is playing with a brand new team. So, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I think 
overreacting would be a mistake. You know, I, you know, I, I, there's some things I wonder about with Kentucky. The point guard situation interests me. You've got Devin Askew, who you know could still be a high school basketball player, could still be a high school senior. And then I was fascinated how little clock, you know, the men's got today. It almost was like they didn't have confidence in him. Yeah, the grad transfer from uh, Creighton, yeah, he only played 10 minutes, had no points, no assists. Kentucky did not have an assist in the second half. They only had five of the game. They didn't have any in the second half. I don't keep records on that sort of thing. <laughs> I keep a lot of records, but I don't keep that. I have to look way back to find probably when that happened. Uh, they 0 for 10 from three. You're going to have to restart that uh, three-point three point streak <laughs> again. How much was this streak after the other one got canceled? we have any idea on that? I I meant to look that up, but you know what's interesting about that? That you know, the, since the what the third game of the eighty eight eighty nine season, they've made a three pointer in every game but two. But the two are both against Atlantic Ten teams. Oh, really? Dave, Davidson in the NCAA <laughs> tournament in two thousand eighteen, and then Richmond today. So you got to quit kids on those three A ten teams. Yeah, I don't know, you know, what the significance of that is, if any. But I I, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> that should be that'll be a trivia question sometime. Uh, down the line. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, it was sort of a surprise that they lost at home. I think they were seven or seven and a half point favorite, uh, but it shouldn't have been a shock. I, you know, Richmond's got a good team. They start four seniors. As you mentioned, they got two good guards, really good guards. Kentucky committed 21 turnovers. Uh, that Jacob Gilliard, I think he had five steals. Um, and then I thought in the second half, midway through the second half, when Richmond started to take over, you could tell the difference between an experienced team and an inexperienced team. And, you know, Richmond, this is our chance, and they really took advantage of it. And Kentucky, I thought, started playing a lot of one-on-one ball and, uh, you know, try, guys trying to do it themselves instead of playing together. I thought after the game, uh, Olivier Saar, who I thought overall played pretty well, especially in the first half, but uh, made a good point when he said, we just need to communicate better. We need to talk to each other and help each other out when I asked him about the turnovers. And as you mentioned, this is just their second game of the year. But – they go to they go to Indianapolis on Tuesday to play Kansas. Uh, what about that game? Well, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, I you know when after the Moorhead State game, when John Calipari was going through how difficult the pre conference schedule is, I actually think the two best teams, not necessarily the two biggest names, are Richmond and Kansas. Yeah. Uh, so you know, the, I, I you know I think it'll I think that's going to be a very difficult game for Kentucky. Yeah, no, you make a good point about the schedule. Of course, they were talking about that on TV today, Dan Schulman and Jimmy Dykes about Cal talking about their, you know, the how tough their conference schedule. It is tough from big, as you mentioned, with big names, but Georgia Tech lost the other night in a three. Who'd they lose to, Mercer, in a three-overtime game? No, they lost to Mercer and Georgia. Georgia State, was it was a four-overtime game. Yeah. I'm not necessarily proud of this, but I watched all four overtimes. <laughs> That was a tremendous game. <laughs> now, who was that against, though? Georgia State. Georgia State. Okay. Have they lost another one since then? Yeah, they lost to Mercer. Okay, I knew they lost. I thought they lost to Mercer at some point. So it was Georgia State that was the four overtime game. Right. So they've already lost two games. Uh, Notre Dame is not very good this year. I think they were picked to finish twelfth. I think in the ACC. Uh, Mike Bray's a really good coach, but he's going through a down period this year. Down period, so I mean they're they're not that good a team. Uh, 
But and there's somebody else on there. I can't think. I don't UCLA, have UCLA. Yeah, UCLA's gotten lost. off to a rough start. UCLA's supposed to be good, but boy, they've gotten off to a rough start. Uh, yeah, I don't. To me, what about the what about the O for ten though from three? Does that question? I mean, do they not have? Mitz was supposed to be one of their better shooters, but he only gets in the game for ten minutes. I yeah, mean, he didn't get. And then and Dante Allen right. is a shooter, and he didn't play at all. And you know, I you know I have to think they're better than O for ten, but you know, off a very limited sample size, they don't appear to be uh, you know a stellar outside outside shooting group. Yeah. No. Okay. Enough about the negative. What do you like after seeing him for two games? Well, I like uh, I like the the defensive length. I think they have a lot of. I think they have a lot of upside to really lock teams down. I think, you know, usually in the NCAA tournament, they're bulletproof against, frankly, you know, teams like Richmond because of their defensive length. And I think, you know, all things occur normally. I think that will come into – that will weigh more heavily in their favor as the season goes along. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I think Saar maybe is a little better than I thought he was going to be. I'm, you know, Isaiah Jackson, you know, he obviously has some work to do maybe just in terms of offensive skills, but man, he's so active and, yeah. and makes things happen. And, and, and obviously Boston and Clark have a lot of ability and, and a lot of ability to create. So, you know, I think in the long run, there's a lot to like on this team, but I think there may be some, maybe a little rocky in, over the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think so too. Uh, I like the parts they have. It's just going to be, you know, Cal's just going to have to figure out how, you know, best to fit those parts together. I know I like Boston a lot of what I've seen of him. They just need some maturity. And I, I'm like you. I, I really like Sar. I thought, you know, he's got to be more active like you, he, you know, he didn't do anything in the first half against Moorhead. Today he came out much more aggressive. Uh, I thought he played really well in the first half. He tailed off some in the second half. I know there was some – he was that question about his stamina because he didn't play – uh, uh, there were very few games at Wake Forest where he, you know, played 35 minutes or so. He said today a lot of that was because of foul trouble. <clears throat> but uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup with Kansas. I watched both of Kansas's games against Gonzaga, who I think is really good. Uh, Jalen Suggs is really good uh, for Gonzaga, uh, and I watched them against St. Joe, a team that they, you know, be, should beat, and they beat fairly easily in the, pulled away from in the second half. Kansas is a little like Kentucky, and I don't think this is a vintage Kansas team, but they're a little like Kentucky. They've got a lot of six, 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 seven guys who are long and athletic who may not be, you know – uh, you know, tremendous players, but boy, they're they're very athletic. Uh, they can play defense. Bill, I know they gave up 102 points to Gonzaga, but Bill Self's teams can, you normally play good defense. It's going to be an interesting matchup from that standpoint. But it's another game where Kansas is more experienced, not tremendously experienced, more experienced than Kentucky, but they do have more experience than Kentucky. So uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup from that standpoint. The other thing that kind of worries me, if I'm Kentucky, that worries me, Cal has said this is not one of his mo- physical teams. They're going to have to learn to be physical because Kansas will play them physical. That's what Bill Self's, uh, Bill Self's teams do. They'll play physical basketball. Yeah, that was the point. I think I, I guess it was Jimmy Dykes made during the Moorhead game was that you know, what are, what what's Kentucky going to do when they get in against you know a physically mature you know team that's capable of you know pushing them around because Kentucky is it's it's kind of a long lean roster. Yeah. You know? Now the one wild card for UK, you know, that they, they, they will at some point, probably soon, 
you know, re-add Keon Brooks back to the mix. And right. you know, that, that I think, you know, I think the Keon Brooks who played last year at Florida will, will really help them. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point, too. They're Miss Brooks so far. We don't know when. Uh, Joel Justice was asked about that. He took Cal's place in the press conference after the game today because we get Cal tomorrow morning uh, to preview the Kansas game. He said, you know, he gave the standard answer, you know, it's up to the trainers. We just do what the trainers tell us uh, as far as when Keon will be back. So, uh, but it'll be, you know, it, it, will, it will be an interesting game uh uh, on Tuesday, I, it'll be interesting to see how Kentucky's young players react. I can't say in that kind of atmosphere because I don't think there are going to be any fans. Is that right at this game? That is correct. My understanding is that it'll just be a just be an intimate gathering of of, of the two teams. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, anyway, we'll be covering it again off uh, TV uh, off that one as well. Uh, it was not a total loss weekend, as Mark corrected me as I was talking to him before we got started here. Uh, Mark, bring some sunshine to our listeners. Bring some positivity to our listeners about what happened with UK sports today. Well, UK women's basketball, uh, the number 11 ranked Cats playing again without Ryan Howard and Tati Anawiat, who are, finish, are finishing up suspensions, um, beat a good Belmont team 70-50 to 50 in, in the Coliseum. And Belmont has won the OBC four years in a row and is a good program. So that was a quality win. And, you know, Drayuna Edwards, the who was the Pac-12 freshman of the year two years ago at Utah and then transferred to Kentucky. And the Pac-12 has been the best women's basketball conference the last couple of years. She was incredible today. I think she had 27-15. and 15. And uh, just looked like kind of a female Charles Barkley, you know, pulling oh. rebounds and leading the break, and it was uh, it was fun to watch. And you know, at, at the end, of what turned out to be the end of the Matthew Mitchell coaching era, UK made a big deliberate push into the kind of the transfer market in terms of you know recruiting players who were coming from other schools. And Matthew explained it that you know, when you had people that had been somewhere else, they were better able to communicate what they needed from. The, the program and he just you know thought it was kind of in there's so much transferring now in women's basketball it's better to be on the receiving end well that you know Drayuna Edwards from Utah had 27 Chastity Patterson from Texas 10 Robin Benton from Auburn 9 and Olivia Owens from Maryland 5 and she really helped Kentucky early in the game and you know that 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 big push into transfers uh, it we, we saw the potential of that today so you're saying somewhere right now, Happy Osborne is smiling. <laughs> happy, uh, Happy set set the uh, he he was a, a trailblazer. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. So, uh, uh, okay. Well, uh, anything else before we wrap it up here on uh, this Sunday night? I think we've uh, we've covered it. Okay. Well, uh, Mark will be back with me. Uh, it, uh, we hope next uh, Sunday night where we can talk about Kentucky South Carolina football and Kentucky's basketball. Well, I'm looking at a five o'clock game uh, next Sunday. So uh, hopefully we can fit that in the podcast as well. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but we've got uh, Kansas on Tuesday night and uh, basketball, and then Saturday the football game, the last regular season football game, UK and South Carolina, as they announced today. That's a 7.30 start. Uh, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter, Mark C. Story. Check out all of his work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald-Leader. Mark, as always, thanks again for uh, being on the podcast. Thanks, John. 
Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to my fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader in Kentucky.com, Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out all his work on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. Thanks to everybody who listens to the podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned in, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Give us a rating and review whenever or wherever you can. We really appreciate those who have already done that, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps a lot. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. We will have a podcast previewing the Kentucky Kansas basketball game. Look for that. Uh, we'll have we'll drop that either late Monday night or early Tuesday morning. So. Look at, uh, be sure and look for that Kentucky playing Kansas in the uh, Champions Cl- Classic on Tuesday night in Indianapolis. Uh, it's supposed to start at nine thirty, but as we all know, those those things usually start later. It'll probably be ten o'clock before that thing uh, gets started, or nine forty-five, something like that. But Kentucky against Kansas on Tuesday night, we'll have plenty of coverage of that. So be sure and check out the pages of Kentucky.com for that. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. We'll be talking to you again soon.